0: I just have to tell everybody, like, listen. I get the news the same time you do. I'm a catering girl at a country club. They're not giving me any advance info over here, so it's funny because the number one question I get is usually related to if they can or can't have their wedding or what that's going to look like. And I wish I could give people the answer. I wish I had a crystal ball, but I don't.
1: Welcome to Bride to Have Been. I'm your host, Emily Lewis. Like many others, I was a bride-to-be, planning to marry my best friend in front of our loved ones, our tribe of 150 people. Needless to say, the pandemic upended the Pinterest-perfect wedding I had planned. From 150 to seven guests, I had the most unexpected dream wedding, but not all brides and wedding professionals have had the same experience. Join me as I uncover the reality of this new normal in the wedding industry. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Bride to Have Been podcast. Today, I'm excited for you all to hear from Kristen Monice, Director of Catering at the Spanish Hills Club in Camarillo, California. Not only does Kristen help couples with booking and planning their wedding at the Spanish Hill Club, she also is a COVID bride who had to pivot her 2020 wedding plans. Kristen, welcome to the Bride to Have Been podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's such a pleasure. And thank you, For being open, you are our first person that we're interviewing that's both a vendor and a bride. So interested to hear how your experience with 2020 and also 2021 is going. Yeah, absolutely. I got stories for days. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you do, especially from a venue side of things. You're also the first venue. I'm definitely curious to dive into that whole experience because I can only imagine. But first, I do want to hear about your wedding because... For everyone's background context of all this, Kristen and I met through our wedding planner. Our wedding planner is the same, Jane Gerwin. She's amazing. So I do want to hear just a little bit about your wedding, but I do like to dive in first of how you and your husband met. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you and Michael met?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we actually both grew up locally. I grew up in Oak Park. He grew up in Thousand Oaks. So he graduated from Thousand Oaks High the same year I graduated from Oak Park High. So we just ended up having mutual friends. Conejo Valley is nicknamed the bubble for a reason because <laughs> everybody kind of tends to know somebody that knows somebody. So we actually met a handful of years ago or even longer than that. We both were in long-term relationships at the time with other people and then those kind of fizzle out and then we ended up hanging out through mutual friends and, you know, headed off from there. So it feels familiar because we both grew up locally, but it wasn't the circumstance where we both went to the same school for years on end. So you didn't feel like, you know, you had no secrets. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I love it. I love that he's a local boy and he's passionate about the community, just like I am. That's awesome. How long were you guys dating before you got engaged? We were together about four years before we got engaged. Him and I are in our mid 30s. So when we first started dating, we had already gone through a number of long and short term relationships. So I feel like once you hit like the 30 mark, you kind of know exactly what you're looking for. And most importantly, what you're not looking for. And we're not really dating for sport anymore. So right away, I felt really at ease with him. And I kind of just knew that he was somebody I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Like, I just felt so comfortable around him. He was like an extension of my best friends, you know, and that was my favorite part. So we kind of took the old fashioned route and dated for a little while. And then we finally moved in together and maybe about a year-ish into us living together is when he proposed, we had talked about it before then, just to make sure that we're both on the same (laughs) page before he, you know, left off with that important question. But it was really funny, because we had talked about getting engaged the year before. And I was trying to be cool. And I was like, Yeah, babe, take your time. You know what I mean? It's totally fine. And then I think like eight months went by and I was like, internally, Okay, I didn't mean literally take your time. (laughs) Like, I'm not getting any younger here. So, but the proposal was great. He actually proposed to me at Disneyland and we're both huge Disney nerds. So I'm happy that I waited and it came together just perfectly. But we've been together for over five years now. So long time. Yeah, nice. Okay,
1: so how at Disneyland did he propose? Were you guys like on a a ride or did you do in front of the castle?
0: (laughs) It was like a big day. All of our friends were going to go to Disneyland that day. So normally how we do Disneyland is we get up at like 530 in the morning and we pin it down there super early. So that way we're there like before the park opens. And that way you can just get a head start on all the plans and stuff like that. And that way, if we wanted to leave earlier, we didn't feel like we'd missed out on a bunch of stuff. And we're annual pass holders for the last several years. So sometimes we would do that. We would go and do like half days and not do a marathon Disney day, you know what I mean, and leave early. So that was kind of my intention. And my mom actually lives in Virginia Beach, and he had orchestrated this whole surprise for me and flew my mom out from Virginia Beach. And she was staying at a local hotel. So we're like driving to Disneyland. He's like trying to figure out how he's going to get her into the park at the same time that we were coming in and like not seeing her. And thankfully, I'm like really oblivious as far as, you know, my surroundings. So I didn't catch on and he didn't want to wait to propose at like sunset or the castle because my mom was in town. And he's like, I want you to be able to hang out with your mom at Disneyland and all that stuff. So first thing in the morning, he took me over to this spot right next to the Haunted Mansion. There's like a fountain there and it's right in front of this French cafe. And there's all these trees that are growing, uh, create like this cool canopy. So we're all standing around trying to figure out our fast passes for the day. And I'm like on my phone and he's like trying to get my attention. So he finally comes up to me and he like rips my phone out of my hand and he hands it to my best friend. And he's like, hold this. And I'm just like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, I'm not paying attention to you, but I'm busy right now. And then he just takes my shoulders and it's funny because I know that he said a lot of sweet things at the time, like his proposal speech, but I think I was just kind of in like blackout mode, (laughs) you know, like I knew it was coming and I can't remember what he said, but he proposed. And right after I said yes, and we're hugging or kissing, I hear this woman screaming from far away and like clapping and cheering. And I look around and I'm just like, oh, look, we have fans, you know, people like saw us. And then I realized who was screaming and it was my mom. Oh my God. I was already crying at that moment because I just gotten supposed to, but then I like really started crying. I was like ugly crying at that point because my mom, I hadn't seen her so long. And I was just like beside myself that she was here in front of me, you know, mm-hmm. and not in Virginia beach. So, I was so surprised and impressed that he pulled off that kind of secret mission. It was, it was pretty amazing. So good.
1: So special to have your mom there. Yeah. Nice. Well done, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) So you were supposed to get married or you're supposed to have your big wedding in 2020, October, right? Yeah. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about what your original
0: plan was for your wedding? Yeah, so we were planning on having about 80 people. We wanted to get married at the Sunken Gardens at the Santa Barbara Courthouse. That's been like my dream location for a ceremony for forever. It's just so beautiful. So we were going to do our ceremony there. And then we were going to have the reception at this really cool Mexican restaurant locally called El Paseo. And then just do, you know, the big reception there. So that was our original plans. Nice. And what was your original date? October 22nd, 2020, <laughs> it's a Thursday. And the reason I picked a Thursday is because I'm in the industry. So I'm smart like that. I know that I didn't want to spend an arm and a leg for a Saturday day or even a Friday date. So I sweeped a Thursday and my justification was, hey, you love me. You're going to come on a weekday yeah. or, you know, whatever. So,
1: <laughs> So obviously... Your original vision couldn't happen with the pandemic. What did you end up pivoting and doing in for your wedding?
0: We decided if we couldn't have the reception El Paseo, that we would still go forward with the ceremony at the courthouse because I was like, you know, according to the government restrictions, you could still have ceremonies for up to a hundred people. So I was like, great, we could still just do our ceremony, and then we can figure out something to do after. In August three days after I sent out my wedding invitations is when I found out the Santa Barbara Courthouse stopped doing ceremonies. They were only doing civil unions. So you could get married with your fiance with one witness sitting at a plastic table (laughs) underneath a blue easy up, you know, pop up tent or whatever. And I was just like, there's no way that I could do this without at least my parents and his parents there. So, you know, three people just wasn't gonna cut it. So we just decided to Kick everything out a year, and our original plan was to kind of redo I do part two on our one year anniversary. I was trying to explore every possible option at that point. parks, houses, I even considered Spanish hills because it's so beautiful, but we really love the Santa Barbara area, and I just I don't know. like I grew up in the Canadian Valley, so I've seen a lot of these parks. A lot throughout my life. And I just, I wanted something different and special and, you know, something unique. So Jane was actually the one who came to my saving grace. I was having issues with trying to figure out something that I felt happy about and not felt like I was settling for. And she's like, listen, a lot of these really expensive and really great venues are offering like killer packages right now for micro weddings. And the fact that our original date was on a Thursday gave us kind of another leg up for taking advantage of great once in a lifetime deals, because a lot of these businesses were hurting for weddings and couldn't necessarily bank off of these bigger functions that have higher food and beverage minimums. So we had our honeymoon suite booked at the Bacara in Santa Barbara. So she's like, you're already staying there. Why don't you hit him up and see what kind of micro wedding packages they're offering right now? And so I did, and it ended up being the perfect solution. The second she left my house, Michael and I took a sigh of relief and were just like, we felt so excited to get married, just like we did when we had picked out the courthouse in El Paseo. And that was like such a relief to have that feeling again because COVID can definitely make you feel like not as excited, you know? Yeah, totally.
1: We were between the Bacara and Hotel Californian. So we ended up going with Hotel Californian, but we ended up staying at the Bacara for a few nights during our honeymoon. So it's beautiful. Did you go right along the bluff next to their, I think it's the Oak something restaurant,
0: Oaks? Yep. So we did our ceremony on the bluff overlooking the ocean. And then when the ceremony concluded, we walked next door to Angel Oak and we had dinner for 16 people. So it honestly worked out so great. The fact that it was right there and the day was like beautiful as far as weather and I couldn't have asked for a better scenery.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful view of an amazing hotel to get married at. So sounds like part one ended up being successful. And then part two, there is still the plan for right. part two to some extent.
0: Yeah. After we did the ceremony on our original date, I realized that it was just so perfect and intimate. And I don't think I could recreate that. So we aren't going to do the ceremony again Mm -hmm. on our one year anniversary. I do want to go to the courthouse in my dress and his suit and take pictures just like I originally anticipated. But I think we're just going to shoot for the reception at El Paseo. And then maybe I thought it'd be kind of funny if we read our vows again and just kind of did like a checkup to see how we held out the first year of all these like lofty promises we've made towards each other. And if we need to add some things or, you know, revise some things <laughs> yeah. with like a subtext, we totally can. And that might be funny.
1: Oh my gosh, I love that. It's funny when you say that, because writing my vows, there were moments where I was like, I promise and I was like, gosh, should I really be promising something like I mean, I promised that I would close the shower curtain every day. And I don't think I do because that's a pet peeve of Julian's. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my God,
1: that's so smart. I know, it's funny when you say that too. Also, I've heard people say with any other like legal binding contract, you can oftentimes renew it and whatever in the future. And getting married is one of those contracts you actually never really renew right you never Uh revise so it's kind of ironic that you say that but it would only be a year later so I doubt there's much you'll be revising but like 15 years from now I know yeah (laughs) that's cute that's funny obviously the pandemic just threw a lot of our weddings up in the air I just curious what you think has been the toughest challenge for you or what was the toughest challenge
0: From a planning aspect, I think it's just kind of letting go, you know, and it's funny, because on a vendor side, I always tell my brides not to sweat the small stuff, because I like to say there's no such thing as a perfect wedding, the bride and groom might be blissfully unaware of all of the stuff going on behind the curtains, but it's never truly perfect from start to finish. And there's, you know, life is life. So I think eating my own words for once and like not sweating the small stuff was probably the hardest part because you get very emotionally attached to like the flowers that you pick out and the vision that's in your head, you know, especially as girls, you kind of dream about this for a long time. So letting go of that was probably the hardest part and just surrendering to what will be will be. But, you know, looking back on it now, like, I don't think I change it as difficult as these decisions were. I feel so fortunate that I walked away from that experience and I wouldn't change a thing. And Totally.
1: I'm right there with you. I was shocked that I was so pleased with how it all went that I literally do not feel like I need to have another wedding. I'm good. And I was not expecting that at all. I was like, okay, I'll for sure have some celebration when it's safe again. But Mm -hmm. we scrapped it all together. So I do ask every COVID bride, what they've learned or valued? Is there anything to add from just besides like letting go? Is there anything else you felt like you learned or valued?
0: Definitely like making these decisions together was super important. I know there's like the ongoing joke that you tell the groom what time to show up. And that's like basically their involvement with everything. I know every groom is different. But there truly are your partners. So just make sure that, like, you are making these decisions together and you're valuing each other's input because you never know. You know, it's kind of a reflection of your relationship going into marriage and beyond, like, being able to handle difficult decisions that are not ideal situations. I'm sure in our lifetimes as we get older, we'll probably encounter some more difficult stuff, but this was definitely a first good test for our communication and navigating like uncertainty and just collaborating on a whole bunch of stuff. So I think that was probably like one of the most important things to take away from this is just staying a team. And just know that as long as you guys are together, it doesn't really matter. You know, you're getting what you want. You're getting your forever soulmate. It's not necessarily the party that you wanted, but you're still getting your human at the end. Yeah, so true.
1: So we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor gift pod. As you know, Julian and I still managed to have a dream wedding, even though we had to do a lot of bobbing and weaving to make it happen during the pandemic, and ended up celebrating with just our immediate families. But of course, we did truly miss celebrating with our entire tribe. In order to give our peeps a way to celebrate us, we asked them to send audio recordings of their love, support, and advice for our relationship. The recordings were produced, edited, spiced up with music, and packaged as a gift pod, our own personal podcast that we can now listen to on our anniversary or whenever we just want to feel loved. Gift pod is giving every guest on the podcast a free gift pod and is offering our listeners 10% off. You can apply it to a wedding package or you can use it to give a gift pod for any occasion, a birthday, anniversary, or even a celebration of life. Go to giveagiftpod.com and use promo code COVIDBRIDES. Okay, I want to pivot to now the vendor side of things. Again, like probably different hats between being a COVID bride and also like helping COVID brides during this process or COVID couples, I should say. How many weddings were you supposed to help plan and execute the Spanish Hill Club in 2020?
0: We usually do maybe between like 100 to 200 weddings. Wow. And then we also have like other events peppered in there, like corporate functions and fundraisers and stuff, but a decent amount. 2020 was one of those years that was beyond the expectation of any other years prior. And I think a lot of it has to do with the repetitive number 2020. And it's even. 1010 10, 2020 was like the first date to go. In 2020, I think for every venue across the board. And it, people just have this like superstition almost as far as like repeating numbers or even numbers and stuff like that. So it was definitely supposed to be a record year for all kinds of functions. I actually, before I came back to Spanish Hills in 2020, I was working for Hyatt Regency Westlake. And all of our event space was just super full with conferences and meetings and corporate functions and galas and all of that stuff. So weddings was definitely a huge part of that anticipated revenue. But I think in general, it was just supposed to be a record year for a lot of, you know, hospitality and event related venues.
1: Yeah. Is Spanish Hill specifically event related type venue? Like, do you do anything outside of weddings and corporate events?
0: Yeah, I mean, we have a ballroom that is a great space. So we love to do social events and corporate events. We have one of the biggest ballrooms in Ventura County. So we kind of do a mix, but definitely weddings are our bread and butter. We're just like the most perfect setting for a wedding. So they definitely dominate our calendar when it comes to events. But since we're also a country club and we have membership, we do a lot of member events also. So it's kind of just like spread between, but definitely weddings are major booking. Gotcha. If you had to put a percentage to how many
1: of the weddings in 2020 were postponed to 2021 or even beyond potentially, what would you say that number would be? Probably in the 90 percentile. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I think I was envisioning like 75. No. Wow. So most of them were postponed. Mm-hmm. How is that looking as we're into 2021 now? what does that look like? Are you guys expecting to be able to fulfill most
0: of those weddings in a different way? We've had to pivot quite a few times and kind of just reinvent the wheel, you know, as far as what we can offer and try to comply with local and state guidelines at the same time, like not completely pushing away the opportunity for somebody to have a great event. And then on the flip side, also have revenue from a venue perspective. So we were getting creative with accommodating smaller weddings. So a lot of these brides and grooms that didn't want to postpone, they would just go forward under modified terms where they would have like 20, 30, 40 people. And instead of having a hundred to 150 and beyond, you know, they would just go forward with a smaller wedding. So we got good practice at having those options available for people that didn't want to postpone. And then, you know, with the outdoor dining, and then we were able to have indoor dining for a certain, you know, small window with 25% capacity. So that's where that like lower guest count kind of fits in. And then we were offering some people the ability to do ceremony only. So you know, kind of like what I did, if we didn't want to postpone the entire wedding, at least we could still go forward with the actual ceremony and get legally married and then postpone the, the other party later. And then some people just straight up ended up canceling. So it was kind of a mixed bag. But I would say the majority of people ended up pushing out. Some people pushed out like six, eight months because they were like me and they were like in March. So like, oh, in two weeks, this is going to be over and this is going to be like, so yesterday's news. Yeah, right. Okay. So unfortunately, these people are either on their second or third postponement or even the people that postponed a year out from March and April are looking at March and April now. And they're like, I'm not sure this is going to work. So, unfortunately, now that we're actually into 2021, and we're not in a place that any of us kind of predicted, we're starting to see that bleed out further into 2021, where our spring weddings are starting to feel uneasy about what the future holds, as far as the size of gatherings, or just the travel restrictions, or just the overall comfort and well-being of their guests that are attending, whether it be like grandparents or parents, or you know, a myriad of like health issues. So we're actually starting to see that impact into 2021 already. So, you know, starting like summer, which is already halfway into 2021 is now what we're kind of looking at trying to evaluate on what we can realistically expect from our couples and also just from revenue and stuff. So we originally thought 2021 was going to make up for 2020. And now we're like, okay, maybe, (laughs) maybe 2022, you know what I mean? (laughs) it's ever evolving. That's for sure.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I bet. And also with like the regulations being strict, then opening up a little bit and then being strict again. And we're obviously, it's not obvious because a lot of people probably don't live in California, but we're under very strict regulations right now. So I can imagine it's just tough as a business to constantly be moving back and forth. From a couple's standpoint, how is your venue trying to help these couples as they're pivoting dates and so forth. I know in the beginning of this pandemic, a lot of people didn't know what to do. None of us have experienced this, right? So I know a lot of couples were getting for better or worse of a term screwed over, right? Financially, if they wanted to do it, postpone or cancel or whatever. Have you guys had to adjust your contracts just to help with, you know, relieving some of these couples from what they've put down already?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I unfortunately wasn't working at Spanish Holes when the initial lockdown started. So I know that during that first period when we were completely shut down and everybody was at home and the government basically put a stop to everything. I know that they were allowing couples to cancel and get refunds and stuff like that. At that point, when everything was still so new, they weren't really sure how long to allow people to cancel because granted, this whole pandemic started in March, but we still had couples that were like in the fall and even in 2021 that were like okay what about us let's cancel or postpone because they were preemptively worried about it so they had to make the difficult decision to put a maximum time frame that they would consider you know allowing people to postpone so that way they weren't kind of shooting themselves in the foot as far as being too aggressive with the modifications. but when I started there in September my approach to it was you can postpone. I'm not going to penalize you for postponing. You can postpone essentially up to two years out if you want to, or you can postpone in a shorter time frame. And then what I'm also offering couples is that come their date around their date, if there's still attendance restrictions and they want to do something small, I'm happy to drop the food and beverage minimum down. So that way it's more parallel to what their per person package is over their now expected guest count compared to when they originally signed the contract and their food and beverage minimum was like three times as much. So, you know, I'm not going to make somebody get Vuv Clicquot and Caviar just so they can hit their minimum. If they're only going to have like 25 people, that's insane. You know, that's, that's not fair. And another thing that we're allowing too, which is kind of unique is say, you know, the couple is just like, I'm over this, screw this. I'm going to elope and we're not going to have a big blown-out wedding. Well, we're allowing them to keep all the deposit credit that they've paid us so far on file for up to two years and they can come back to Spanish Hills and do another cool event with us. It doesn't have to be wedding-related. It could be like you know, a birthday party or a holiday party or a baby shower. You know what I mean? There's a lot of reasons to celebrate. And I'm pretty sure, you know, once the COVID is kind of behind us, we're all going to find a lot of reasons to celebrate and get out and be happy with our friends and family and be close. So I've just tried to come up with as many ways as possible that's both beneficial to the client and then also to Spanish shells. I love the creativity
1: that you're all taking to just try to help the couples. It sounds like you're really being thoughtful, too, and not just like, oh, sorry, sucks for you. You really want to try to help them because I've heard other some venues not being accommodating. And I just feel for those couples losing out on the money. Yeah, absolutely. What is the impact right now on Spanish Hills? with having 90% of the weddings postponed in 2020. And now 2021 is also not looking promising.
0: It's definitely a hard place to be in when you're an employee and also a department head. Being a country club, we have the ability to have revenue come in from a bunch of different places. Like we have a golf course, we have a tennis course, we also have members, and then we also have our restaurant in addition to the events. So Unfortunately, with the latest stay-at-home orders, every single one of these departments have been negatively impacted. So our revenue stream is now, instead of like a waterfall, it's a trickling, babbling brook. You know what I'm saying? So from ownership and a management perspective, they're definitely leaning on us to try and come up with creative ways to make sure that there still is revenue opportunities that is still safe and conducive to the restrictions. So a lot of that is virtual events. We're trying to get creative with virtual events. So that way, people, especially our membership that subscribe to the club, they're still getting, you know, use and benefits out of being a member. And, you know, we still get to also retain some sort of entertainment revenue that we may have missed from not having on property functions. So it's really tough. We've laid off every single one of our hourly employees there's literally probably less than a dozen of us left at the club, and so it's kind of like nothing is beneath our job descriptions. We are all a team in this. So if we need to pitch in for housekeeping, maintenance, setup, whatever, food stuff, like we are there as a team to try and pull together and help each other out and navigate through this because it's got to be tough from like an an upper upper levelment and ownership perspective, because you're looking at your bottom line, you're like, Okay, how am I going to save money, you know, and usually labor is one of the first things that you look at. So it's scary. It definitely keeps my creativity juices flowing, because I feel like I don't really have a choice. You know, I have to make sure that I'm still showing initiative and that I'm worth keeping around, you know, because I'm lucky to have my job right now. And I know it could totally be different. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. There were layoffs.
1: It's these are, these times. They're just terrible right now. So yeah, I'm really hopeful that these vaccines get distributed quickly so that businesses such as your country club can get back up and running and rehire those employees. So
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Fingers crossed. There. On a positive note, are there any brides or I should say couples that have been resilient and? That you just want to share like about their experience with trying to get married during this pandemic at your venue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny, one of my couples I actually met when I was working at Hyatt Regency Westlake earlier in the year because her wedding was going to be at Spanish Hills and her hotel room block was going to be at Hyatt Regency Westlake. So I had met her and she was the sweetest girl on the phone. I love I loved just like her personality and she just instantly felt like a friend. So when I started at Spanish Hills and I pulled her file and I talked to her, she's like, Oh my God, it's you. She's (laughs) like, I missed you, you know? And I was, and that was so great. But her fiance is from England. So his immediate family is all overseas and they are on their third postponement for the wedding. And I just feel for her. She was originally going to be in October in 2020. And, you know, they had to make the call to postpone into the spring. And then they ended up having to postpone again, just based on the fact that they didn't think that his family was going to be able to fly out from England and attend the wedding. And I asked her if she wanted to do get married and still do the ceremony now. And then they could postpone the party till later when everybody could come. And she's like, you know, I just really can't picture Getting married to him and him not being able to look to his left or right and see like his mom and dad, you know, like that was more important to her than getting married now. Like she would probably wait a whole nother year if she had to just to make sure that he could have like his loved ones with them. So I really respected, you know, that selflessness that she had because I know that at a certain point you're just like, okay, enough is enough. Let's just do it, you know. But I thought it was super sweet and considerate that, you know, she's willing to kind of go on this journey and wait until he can have like his ultra VIP, you know, people there. So I really loved her story and I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for August when their third date comes around that they can do it. I'm gonna give her the biggest hug yeah. <laughs> on the day when it finally comes because I'm just gonna be like, yay, you <laughs> know, it's finally here. Yay. I really love being a part of that journey and seeing that come to fruition. Another couple that actually I met recently in November, they ended up going forward with just the ceremony only for 16 people this past Sunday. And it was really sweet and intimate. And they couldn't do any kind of food or dinner because it's not allowed. All they could do was the ceremony. And even her guests were all messed up and six feet apart. And they made sure that like it was completely copacetic. And they just, after the, short three hours that they were with us, like they had the biggest smiles on their faces. And they were so grateful, and happy and thrilled with the whole day. And I just, I applaud people that can really stay positive through it all. Yeah,
1: the resilience that people are showing during this all is pretty impressive of just like, yeah, we'll figure it out one way or another. So those are awesome. Love both of those stories. I am really excited for the couple whose parents are from England. The fiance's parents from England. So, yeah, I'm looking forward for them to actually tie the knot eventually. Me too. What would you say are top questions or concerns you receive as being at the wedding venue?
0: What's funny is the number one question I get is, Can I have my wedding or when can I have my wedding? People, it's funny because they think that we have like a direct line to like Gavin Newsom or something. They're like, Okay, they call me. They're like, Hey, my wedding's in July. What's going to happen? tell me what I can do and what I can't do. And it cracks me up because I just have to tell everybody like, listen, I get the news the same time you do. I'm a catering girl at a country club. They're not giving me any advance info over here. So it's funny because the number one question I get is, is usually related to if they can or can't have their wedding or what that's going to look like. And I wish I could give people the answer. I wish I had a crystal ball, but I don't. Other Most popular questions I get is usually what their options are. So, for the people that are in the immediate future that are concerned about, you know, if they can or can't go forward with the wedding, like what their options are. So, I try to take as much time as I can on the phone with them above most communication. I try not to do a lot of these tough questions on email because I want them to hear my sincerity and I want to try and convey my positivity, you know, through the phone. Sometimes that can be hard through email. So, A lot of it's just going through the options and trying to get a feel from what their gut reaction is and what's important to them and then they can kind of help guide them in the right direction. That's great. And thank you for sharing
1: all this information. I think it's gonna be very valuable for people to hear. So I appreciate you. Of course. Dropping your knowledge on us. So my last question I like to ask all our vendors is that where do you see the wedding industry going moving forward? I think we can all agree that the wedding industry... Got really big and oh, yeah, right from a financial perspective of things. I mean, people are spending ten thousand dollars plus on flowers. Oh, yeah, when they die the next day. So, I'm just curious how,
0: where do you think the wedding industry is going moving forward? I honestly see these more intimate gatherings being a part of the future, and it's funny because up until the pandemic hit you know, a lot of people would invite like 100 to 200 people. And you think about your circle and who's important to you. And then you get carried away with their plus ones. And then you invite all your co workers. And the next thing you know, it kind of turns into this runaway train. And it gets really stressful. Because for one, it's not humanly possible to talk to all these people in one night, especially if the party is only like five hours, and you got to take away all the time for photography and all the other stuff. It leaves you with like maybe an hour to talk to like all your guests. So it's nearly impossible to touch all these people on your wedding day. Like maybe you think you would. And a lot of my brides would be so stressed out with the details and the finances of it all that most of them would say, I can't wait until this day is over. And it's just because they're tired of dealing with all the challenges and logistics, wedding planning brings and the expense of it all. And I think The benefit of these smaller micro weddings is that it kind of removes a lot of that exterior stressors because you're dealing on a smaller scale. And the people that I've worked with this year that did have smaller weddings all came away with this, like, I can't believe how great that was. They really just like narrow down to the most important people that they cannot picture getting married without. And they're able to spend great quality time with these people And really be present and live in the moment and not feel like it's like a fleeting, you know, experience that's going by lightning fast. So I really actually hope that these smaller, more intimate weddings are going to be a staple going into the future because getting married is just such a cool experience that you want to remember it. And you don't want to feel like, Oh, gosh, I can't wait until this day is over. Like, get me out of this dress, get me away from these crazy people, (laughs) you know, whatever. So I really hope that that kind of trends down. And that way, it's not this crazy, like, big business, like, let's compete with who can spend the most money or get the most money. Like, I don't like the superficiality of that, you know, and Since weddings were such a big business, it just became this like huge competition about like who can have the biggest, baddest, most grandiose wedding. And you kind of lose sight of the important part, which is the marriage. Totally. Yeah. I think you nailed it on the head.
1: Well, Kristen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And from getting married in 2020, you did it to just Trying to handle all the changes that are happening and helping other couples go through this, I have to applaud you for just what you're having to balance. So,
0: thank you. It's been a ride, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> thank you for listening. I'm your host, Emily Lewis. Follow me on social media at Bride to Have Ben, and please send me or DM me your COVID wedding stories if you're interested in being featured on the podcast. Bride to a Ben is brought to you by GiftPod and produced by StudioPod. Edits were made by Notolab. Special thanks to Gary Oakland for providing this track. Subscribe, rate, and share with your fellow brides.